It's good to see you guys. Good morning. Yeah, you sound good too. You look good and you sound good, so you're you're killing it on all all sides today. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> so so I was like, really, really? <laughs> no, you're doing a good job. You're good. Hey, uh, I want us to go to. Um, we're going to a lot of places this morning, and there's a lot of scripture. And I promise I won't hold you more than about three hours. Um, no, 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 we, we'll, we're not going to hold you that long, but um, we do have a lot of scripture that we're going to hit this morning, but we are going back to a place that we talked about last week, and um, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1, so you can go ahead and kind of turn there if you want to. We're going to camp out there toward the, toward the end of this message. Um, we've been in a series called The Fine Print, and um, we've been talking about following Jesus into the details. And into the details of what? What does that mean? Following G de Jesus into the details of what it means to be a disciple and not just a Christian. Uh, we're not just talking about being a fan of Jesus. We're talking about being followers of Jesus and that Jesus invites us into that. And so this has been the series that we've been in. We're going to wrap that up this morning. Next week, we're doing, uh, we're doing a, it's going to be fun, man. We're looking, uh, going to be doing trunk or treat. We're going to be doing baptism on that day. We just planned all the stuff on one day. We just thought we were going to be here. We might as well have a good time with it, right? So um, we're going to be doing uh, trunk or treat baptism, uh, not trunk or treat baptism. That sounds like you're going to be going through and getting baptized as you go to each car. Instead of candy, you get baptized, right? That's how we're doing this one. What a novel idea. No, it's not. Don't get it confused, all right? We're doing trunk or treat, uh, and we're doing baptism before we do trunk or treat. Um, so uh, that is next week. Can't wait for that. The theme for that, that day is at the movies, um, and so we're, we're going to have a good time with that. Uh, but. We are going to finish up today in this uh, series called The Fine Print, Following Jesus into the Details. And um, now, before I, I get into this, um, some of you have heard me talk uh, about, I, I've uh, just, I have a slight deficiency when I talk about color, right? And um, anybody, you have any color deficiencies seeing certain things? Gosh, I am the only one in this service, two of us. All right, thank you, John. I, I think he's just raising his hand so I wouldn't be alone. He's like, he's dying up there. I, I was the only one in the first service. Like, no, I, there's, there's another back there. Harriet, thank you so much. I see that hand. God bless you. Um, <laughs> no, it's, 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 uh, it's something I didn't realize until I was, I was in my uh, early 20s. I was working for uh, Arlie Ice Company in Valdosta, Georgia, and I had to go, I was driving this truck, this ice truck, and I was, I was the guy that would fill up the ice boxes that's out in front of, like, the, the Enmark stations and stuff. That's what I did. I was the ice man. You know, it was the coolest job ever. Yeah, there you go. All right, anyways, um, I had to go take, um, I had to go take a physical uh, to be able to drive these trucks, and so um, they, they sat me down in there and the, the nurse came in and she gave, she said, I got a little test I want to give you. She gave me this, this little booklet and, uh, she said, it's, it's going to have some stuff in it. I want you to tell me what you see when you, when you open it up and tell me, uh, what you see on these pages. And I, I opened up this little booklet and all I saw was a bunch of dots, you know, and I'm like, Hey, these are just different colored dots. She said, is that all you see? I was like, yeah, am I supposed to see something else? She just said, hmm, and just began to write down on her note. And I'm like, that is not a good sign, right? That is never good when they just said, hmm, just start writing stuff down. And, and what I learned was that at that point, I, I, she said, you have a, a slight colorblind deficiency. And, you know, because when you take those colorblind tests, you're supposed to see numbers in there. And how many of you guys see the numbers? 
Yeah, I hate you. No, I don't hate you. Uh, no, I, I just I don't see the numbers. I'm looking at it as like, hey, there's a pretty designs. You know what's what's there, and uh, so I, I miss out on that stuff. So it's kind of funny that I'm starting uh, this conversation this morning because I need to start talking about color, and um, we're talking about discipleship over the last several weeks. And um, when we think about discipleship, sometimes we think about discipleship in stages, right? We think about moving from one stage to the next. And when I think about that, it kind of looks like this. It kind of looks like, hey, you're moving from one thing to another. And it's almost when we talk about it, we talk about it in very linear and delineated space almost. It's almost like, hey, you move from this to being this to being this, and it's, it's very defined, right? Um, but see, I don't think that's how discipleship happens, and I don't think that's how discipleship looks. I actually think discipleship looks more like this. It looks more like the gradient, right? Because the gradient is kind of a blur. It's kind of a fade. It's kind of a blending, and that's what I think I see when I think about discipleship is much less linear and very defined space to uh, much more kind of a blend of what's happening because sometimes we are growing as disciples and we don't know it. Sometimes you're going through conflict or you're going through crisis and you're just experiencing all this stuff that is happening and you don't realize that you're learning something. You don't realize that you're growing as a disciple. There have been times where we've lost family members. I've got some of my family here today. I got my mom here. I got my sister and my brother-in-law, and uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to have them them with us today. And uh, there have been times in our life where we've 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 suffered loss, you know. And it's during those times that you you're just kind of in the middle of that that emotion, and you're in the middle of that that moment and that crisis, and you don't realize that. God's kind of expanding you, and God's kind of growing you, but you don't realize it at the moment. And and that's kind of how I see this, is there are times that we we begin to diffuse or blend uh, into something else, that God uses something like that to help us become something else. And um, so with this in mind, uh, I, I began to think about, I began to think about this is kind of what it looks like to follow Jesus into the details. This is what it looks like to mature and grow up in Christ, right? Because when you're kids, how many of you have kids, right? You got kids. All right, if you got kids, you understand this. You understand that uh, if, if they were a little baby, you know, and now they're not little babies anymore, it seemed like that went by fast. Anybody, when you look back? I, my boys, I look at them now, and I'm thinking, man, I, I love these boys. I love they're they're great, they're amazing, and I'm thinking, but it was just like yesterday, they were you know 11 and 13, right? It, it was like yesterday they were you know seven and nine, and it's like what happened? Where where did that go? As all it, you don't realize how much time goes by, and it just it clips by at at very quick rate, and and so sometimes we don't understand, we don't see it, but they're maturing. We, we, we get it. We understand they're maturing. They're growing up. And that's like us as believers. Sometimes we don't always see those definite moments. It's like, oh, yeah. And it, it kind of blends in that we, we kind of see that gradient in a, in a way. And so this morning I want us to look, and I talked a few weeks ago about some prepositions. And prepositions uh, is something that helps us move from, from one thing to another. It helps de- uh, define uh, location or movement, 
And I want to talk again about that because we talked about it in our freedom series and we talked about being free from something and then being free to something. That God not only frees us from things, from sin, from death, from old habits and the old ways that we used to be, and he frees us to become something new. So we, we talked about prepositions in that sense, but I want to talk a little bit of different uh, prepositions here this morning uh, because I, I believe that God's through Scripture, has revealed to us from Genesis to Revelation just who he is. And so the first thing that I think how he's revealed himself is this. He's revealed that he is God for us, that he is God for us. And God for us looks like this. It looks like Psalm 56, 9. Psalm 56, 9 says, Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me, right? How many of you love the fact that God is for you, right? And that God is not against you, that God is for you. And this, this is the psalmist is reminding himself, this I know, that God is for me. When you look at Romans 8 and 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us, right? If God is for me, who can stand against me? Because I've got the, the biggest, most powerful entity in the universe that is for me. Why should I fear? And so God reveals himself. He just begins to reveal himself through Scripture uh, that he is the God who is for us. But we also find this, that not only is God for us, but we also find that he has revealed himself more specifically as Jesus, in Jesus, that he is God with us that he is jesus is with us so god is for us jesus is with us where have we seen this isaiah 7 and 14 this is what it says therefore the lord himself will give you a sign and behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel this sounds familiar right where have we heard this we always read this at christmas right but but we read this a little bit clearer in the book of matthew because matthew gives us some commentary matthew chapter one says behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name emmanuel and he this is the commentary part which means god with us and that is just another revelation of who god is not only is god for us but now he is showing us that he is god with us how many of you glad god is with you this morning I'm glad that God is with me. I've had people tell me. I had a guy at uh, the ch- first church I, I, I uh, pastored at, um, and he, was, he came to me. He's like, Pastor, man, I, I'm all about you, and I, I am here to, to help you. I'm here to serve. I'm here to do whatever I can. Man, I, I am for you. I am for you, Pastor. I'm here for you. You know, and I was like, man, that's great. And there came a time that I actually needed his help, and he was nowhere around, right? Although he was for me, he was not with me, okay? And there is a difference. There is a difference. Somebody can be for you. They'll cheer you on from a distance, but they may not be with you. That's not who God is. God says, I am the God who is for you, and I'm also going to go a step closer, and I'm going to say, I am the God who is with you. And so he has revealed himself that way. We see that through the temple that God, um, or the tabernacle uh, in, in the wilderness, God, God said, listen, this is my presence. This tabernacle represents my presence. And when you set up camp, when you set up your tents, I want you to set up your tents surrounding my tent because I want to be the God who is right in the middle of Israel. I want to be the God who is not just for you. I want to be the God who is with you. And so we see this, that God is not only for us, God is with us. So if God is for us and Jesus is with us because we see in Matthew also, Matthew 28. Go to Matthew 28. Jesus said this. He said, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth 
is given to me. He goes on, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He goes on, he says, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So we see this, that Jesus is with us. God is for us. Jesus is with us. Now, I want to talk, though, about this last one. This last one is kind of where I think as disciples we really kind of have to kind of underline and put the mark and put the exclamation point because we can come up short and we can stop just 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 close enough because he's also revealed himself not only has God revealed himself as for us and Jesus with us but the Holy Spirit is in us and having the Holy Spirit in us is important having the Holy Spirit in us is a game changer and so that's where I want us to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you not know? Remember we talked about God's temple? Do you not know that you are God's temple uh, and that the God's Spirit dwells where? In you. So not anymore in just a tent. As we move through history, we begin to see that God says, It's not just enough for me to dwell in a tent in the midst of you. Not just enough for me to live in a tent. Now I want to be in you i want my spirit to be in you and that's what the apostle paul is reminding me he said listen it is no longer just us setting up camp around the presence of god the presence of god wants to live inside of us through god's spirit and so it's the holy spirit in us ephesians 5 and 18 ephesians 5 and 18 says this it says do not get drunk come on somebody <laughs> i lost some of you guys <laughs> do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul uh, makes a, a, a con, draws a contrast here, uh, and he's, he's saying something. I, and I just, I just want to camp out here just for a second. Alcohol, this is something alcohol does. If you've partaken, maybe uh, you've been around people who have been drunk, alcohol uh, makes you believe things about you that are not true. How many of you, how many of you agree with that statement? Alcohol will make you believe things about you that are not true. It'll make you think that you're 10 feet tall and you're bulletproof. Come on. Have you ever seen that? I'm not going to ask if you've ever been that. I'm just going to give you some grace on that this morning, right? But maybe you've been there. Maybe you've seen that, right? That's what alcohol does. Alcohol makes you believe things that aren't true about you. But this is, this is what um, Paul does. He contrasts this idea of being drunk with being filled with the Spirit. And I think the flip side of this is the Spirit wants you to believe things that are true about you. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit says, let me tell you what is true here. Let me, let me, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you what the truth is. The truth is that you are saved. The truth is you are redeemed. The truth is you are called. The truth is you are God's chosen. The truth is he laid down his life for you. The truth is you get an invitation to come to the table. The truth is God has done everything to bring you and reconcile this world back to himself. That is the truth, and that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit tells you the things that are true about you where you know when we get drunk we think things that aren't true see alcohol makes you the worst version of you man y'all killing it this morning alcohol will make you the worst version of you but the spirit makes you become the better version of you when you have the holy spirit living inside of you you become the better version. You become the potential that God sees in you, and he wants to draw out of you. 
And he says, this is what I want. When, you, when, when, when you're on alcohol, when you're on some other kind of substance, that makes you not what God wants to see out of you. He's like, that's not what you were created for. You become a worse version. You become less human. He says, I want you to become more human, more in my image. And when you do this, when you have God's spirit dwelling within you and living in you and empowering you, you can live in such a way where you become the better version of you. And see, sometimes being, being raised in a Pentecostal home, I know we have a lot of different backgrounds here. Um, and, and, and there are people here from, you know, you didn't have a church background at all. You know, some of you came from Baptist home. Some of you came from Presbyterian. Some of you came from Lutheran. I met a brand new couple this morning, you know, first time here. And they say, hey, we, we've, came, we've got a Lutheran background. I said, man, that's awesome. Come on in, you know. <laughs> I hope you have a great day, right, because we don't care. But uh, we have different experiences, and sometimes, you know, when, when we tell people, yeah, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, we, we believe in the full gifts of the Spirit. And... We believe that, um, that God wants you to be full of his spirit. And, and some can say, well, I don't know about that, Pastor. I, you, know, I don't, you know, I just want to get only so close to that. That, that seems kind of strange. That seems kind of weird. Think about it as this. See, the Holy Spirit, and, and some, some will say, well, you think that the Holy, you got, because you have the Holy Spirit, you're better than me. That's not it at all. The Holy Spirit does not make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not about me comparing myself to you. I can always find somebody I think I'm doing better than, right? I can, that's not it. When I look at me and I say, am I better than what I was yesterday? Am I better than what I was five months ago? Am I better than what I was five years ago? I hope that when I look and the Spirit of God moves me through this process, that I begin to look and say, God, thank you so much. I am better than the, than the version of me five years ago. I am better than the version of me, hopefully, five minutes ago, that as we go along, your Spirit empowers me to become the better version of who you want me to be. So this brings us to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter um, one. This is where we were at last week, and I want to read this again. Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning of verse 3, it says, I thank God, whom I serve as, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in pr my prayers day and night. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to this young pastor, Timothy, and he is encouraging him. He is trying to kind of build him up and say, listen, man, I just want to uh, just kind of pour into you right now. And so he's, he, he's praying for him constantly. He says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. We talked about that last week, uh, that we need community. We need people who are passing that faith along. And so we need people in this walk of discipleship to encourage, to encourage us. I got three people that are, that are on that second row right there. They, every one of them have been that in my life where they have prayed for me. And, uh, and, and I, my mom, I remember, I remember at high school just getting up, and she would get up before I would, and my mom would be in there praying. You know, I know she would be in there. She'd have, she'd have her Bible open, and I know she was praying for her kids. She was praying for her grandkids, and she was praying for me. And so there are people like that who have, you know, they have poured into my life. He goes on and says this. It says, for this, I want to read this out of the King James. I've been reading it out of the ESV. But this is where it reads out of the King James. I love how it says this, and I will give you why I re read this out of the King James. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift. Now, your Bible might say to fan into flame or rekindle. And that is the original 
word picture that he's trying to get. He's trying to get you to think about stirring up a fire. Anybody, you know, you build fires and you kind of have to stir up the coals. And so what we had to do last weekend at the Seafood Festival, we had that big smoker. It would kind of go down and we'd have to stir up the coals and feed some more wood into it to kind of get, get it uh, heated back up again. And that is the original word picture. But I have a different picture in my mind, especially when I read the King James. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, this is what I think about, and this is the Ogden version, and please don't throw uh, tomatoes at me or anything like this. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think, how many of you like a, a glass of cold milk? Come on. How many of you like a glass of cold milk with some cookies? Come on. Some of y'all just need to live a little bit. Good grief. I'll buy the cookies and the milk and I'll invite you over. You need to live some. I love a glass of cold milk and just pour it. It's got it's to be in a glass. Don't put that stuff in a paper cup or a styrofoam cup. Just ruin it, right? Put it in a, in a, in a glass and that cold milk gets in there. Oh, I love it. You know how you make that better, though? You know how you make a cold glass of milk better? Get you some Hershey's chocolate syrup. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching now? Come on. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't shout earlier. Some of y'all should shout about the chocolate syrup. And so you take that chocolate syrup and you pour it in, right? You pour it in. I love it. Now, what does that, what does that do? You pour that chocolate syrup in that, that cold glass of milk. And what does it do? It just, it just sits there on the bottom, doesn't it, right? It kind of clumps up. You see it. You know, some of us, our, our clump's a little bit bigger. I don't know how your clump is. My, I like mine kind of clumpy, you know. And you see it. It's like, well, that's great. That's not doing me much good. But what happens? You take a spoon and you start stirring it up. You start stirring it. What happens? It begins to change. It begins, that chocolate begins to permeate into the milk it begins to kind of disperse into the milk and it becomes not just good cold glass of milk now it becomes a good cold glass of chocolate milk which is so much better somebody's getting hungry i'm getting hungry right i love it i love it you got to stir it up and that's what he says this therefore i remind you to stir up the gift If you are a believer, if God has called you to him, if you've accepted Christ, he has deposited in you this thing called the Holy Spirit. He has deposited in you and given you a gift of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We can just let it sit in the bottom of the glass. We have to be able to participate and say, all right, I want this thing stirred up in my life. I want it not to just sit at the bottom of my life. I want it to permeate every bit of who I am. I want it to change every bit of who I am. I want it to change me to make me something better than what I was before this is what we're asking so god stir up the gift in me stir up the gift in me and so we think about this holy spirit pastor you can come play we think about this this idea of the holy spirit you say well i don't know about that if you come from a different background you talk about the holy spirit and "Ah, the holy spirit thing is kind of weird pastor you know and you know i get it they're they're weird people holy spirit's not weird they're just weird people all right let's just be honest the holy spirit doesn't make you weird though doesn't make you weird. The Holy Spirit leads you to maturity. That's what happens. That's what really happens when we say stir up in me. Paul wasn't trying to get Timothy to be weird in any way. He was trying to get Timothy to grow up and be mature. Say, listen, you have a responsibility. You have a calling. 
You have a gift. God has placed in you a responsibility. Now I want you to stir that up. And I want you to become that thing that God intends for you to be. I want you to become that better version of you that God intends for you to be. So for us, that's what that looks like. That the Holy Spirit has given to us to be mature. Not to be kooky, not to be strange, but to be mature believers. That when we stand when we sing and when we shout and when we speak, we can speak the words of God with the, with the call of God with the power of God. And so, the Holy Spirit is not given to make us weird. He goes on, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit is not asking for more of God. Now, you got to get this. You say, well, I've always thought that. Being filled with the Spirit is not asking for more of God. When God shows up in your life, he shows up all in. When God comes at, at the get-go, He's all in. He's not halfway in. He's not like, well, here I am. You just you just committed your life to me. I'm going to give you about 10% of who I am. We'll see how this works out. If, if it don't work out, well, I'll see you later. I'm only in 10%. That's not, that's not what happens. When we give our heart to Christ, He says, I'm all in. What he wants to know, though, is are you all in? Because being filled with the Spirit is not asking for more of God. It's surrendering more of you. It's surrendering all of me. It's saying, God, stir it up in me, every bit of me. I want every bit of me to look like that chocolate milk. I want it to be changed, every bit of who I am. I want my heart to be changed, every bit, for what you want it to look like, God. This is what I want. This is what I want. Being filled with the Spirit is not about losing your mind for Jesus. I think sometimes we think that, that we think that as we come in, we have to check our brain at the door. You know, you have to turn your brain off to, to walk in the Spirit, and that is absolutely false. Being filled with the Spirit is not about losing your mind for Jesus. It is about having the mind of Jesus. It's about having the mind of Christ. That's what we're 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 encouraged. He says, have the same mind of Christ. Have the same attitude of Jesus. Him being in the form of a servant did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to come with the mind of Christ and say, listen, whatever you want in my life, I want you to do that, God. I want you to do that. So this morning, I want you to stand with me. Want us this morning to stir up that gift. I want us this morning, and you say, I don't know about this pastor. I, 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 I've never been real comfortable. Listen, I'm not I'm not gonna do anything to you this morning. I'm not gonna ask anybody to come down front. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer with me today. That you would lift your hands up and say, God, stir it up in me today. Stir it up in me today. Say, God, stir it up in my heart. Stir it up in my mind. God, change me. Change me from what I used to be. Change me from what I was. Yes.